Matthew 11, or Matthew 28, I should say. <laughs> Verse 18 says this. Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, just before he ascended to the Father, says those words, and he also says these words that are recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As a church, we understand our purpose and we understand our mission from those two passages specifically and generally the, the full mandate of Scripture that tells us and calls us to, to go and to preach the gospel. And so as a church, we exist to bring God glory by reaching and making disciples of our neighbors and the nations. That's what we exist for. That's our mission as Christians. That's our mission as a church. And so we do this by reaching people with the gospel and training them up and teaching them how to follow Jesus, how to live their life in, in, in their Jerusalem, reaching people with the gospel and living their life among their Judea and reaching people with the gospel and in Samaria and then going to the ends of the earth. We want to see people from all walks of life, all uh, age ranges, all uh, nationalities, ethnicities, all types of people, regardless of the economic status, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us? It means we're to go across the road. It means we're to go across the oceans. Uh, that's what we're called to do. We want to leverage our influence. We talk about this all the time, of using the circles, uh, circles of influence to leverage that for the gospel in people's lives. And so with that understanding, with that mission understanding, here's how we articulate our vision as a church. We are generations of people who are taking the gospel to our neighbors and the nations, seeing hope come to the hopeless, healing to the broken, forgiveness to the sinful, and reconciliation to the separated. We see people following Jesus and experiencing the miracle of restoration in their lives. That's what God's called us to do. And so how do we as a church, individually as believers and corporately as a church, how do we participate in this mission and vision? Let me give you three short things, four short things, and then I'm going to introduce our guests this morning. You, many of you know our guests Here's what we need to do to live out this mission. We walk humbly and holy before the world so that our, your testimony bears witness for Christ. So if you want to live on mission for Christ, if you want to uh, see that vision come to fruition, you've got to walk humbly and holy with the Lord before a watching world. Secondly, openly, intentionally speak the gospel to people who are far from God and broken by their sin. So you got to articulate the gospel in those circles of influence that God's given you. Thirdly, pray for people to hear and to receive the gospel in their lives. Mega sports camp that we just had, prayer went into that. It wasn't that we just showed up here and did a lot of activities and had a lot of fun and, and all that. No, we were intentional about articulating the gospel in our rallies, in our humble or our, our huddle groups, intentionally speaking, and then praying for God's Spirit to move in those moments. And then fourthly, support gospel work locally and globally through the church. That's the four things that we need to do to see our mission and vision come to fruition through this church. This morning, 
we have special guests coming to us from South Asia. And so in just a moment, if you're watching us online, uh, you're going to no longer see anything but a logo because for security reasons, we're not going to maybe give specifics about certain things, but definitely don't want to show their faces uh, streamed online uh, as we do this interview. So I'm going to invite Gotham and Donna, if you would come up. They serve uh, as our partners in ministry in South Asia. If you guys want to, I guess, take a seat over here. Uh, but they serve as our partners over there. Some of you have been overseas uh, and served alongside of them. Guys, I just want to go ahead and get comfortable. We're going to do something a little different this morning. And so I'm not preaching today. That was the sermon that you're getting, what I just gave you. And so you're welcome for that. I tell you what, that's terrible. You may get more at the end of that response. But we're going to do a little something different. Uh, Donna and, and Gotham have been with us before. How long has it been since you guys were here? Pre-COVID? Yeah. Pre-COVID? Okay, so it's been a couple years since they were here. Uh, the last time we were there as a church was in October of 2019, and so we're sending a team back over in October, so it'll be three years, almost to the day, from when we were there last. Uh, just because the world changed and we were not able to fly, your country was shut down, and um, our country was not flying and doing stuff. It's just been difficult, and so we're excited to get back. But uh, we want to do an interview this morning and just allow this time to be an encouragement, hopefully to you guys, but an encouragement to us as a church and a challenge to us as a church as well to understand what it means to be gospel-centered and to live the gospel out, uh, sharing it, supporting gospel work, and, and, and everything in between. And so... Gotham, uh, you are from South Asia, uh, I think we can tell. Your accent kind of gives it away, um, but I love you, brother. I've met you in 2016. You were our translator for us when we were working there in another city, and I uh, just learned to love you and, and, and just admire the dickens out of you. And then you guys got married. Uh, that's an Arkansas expression. I'm trying to teach our church some Arkansas uh, language. But you guys got married, um, but you're from right here. So just kind of tell us your story, if you will, just in a brief kind of way. If you tell us your story, have you all met? What's going on in y'all's lives and all of that? Yeah, so uh, we are Donna and Gotham. We also have a 14-month-old who uh, was finished with our four-week traveling, and so he is back home uh, with my parents for the weekend having a grandparent sleepover. Uh, but he's also there now. Um, so Gotham and I were both serving as missionaries in Delhi, India, um, and uh, when we met, we found out we had this common factor of he had been um, working with you all as a church coming to India, um, and I grew up right here in this area being sent out from Parkway Baptist Church, um, and then we uh, found the common denominator of Gloria, and she said, uh, you're perfect for each other, you need to get married, and <laughs> we did. Uh, and so uh, there were some other things in there. God also spoke, but Gloria spoke first. And so in the end, we got married. Uh, and we, um, through that process, we, we understood that God had given us both the same vision for our own personal ministry. God had given us the same vision for um, family, uh, just what we uh, felt like God was calling our lives to. And he brought us together that way. Um, and so we got married in India. And the next day, we moved to Calcutta, where we have been serving ever since. That's awesome. I did not know Gloria was the matchmaker. I got you. I got you. Uh, so it was my first day in India, so it was pretty fast. <laughs> so you've said the city. I, I was going to say South Asia, so I'm just not sure how yeah, careful. I can't, we, yeah, I can't keep up. 
Um, but you live in a major city in South Asia. Tell us, we saw in the video a, a little bit of what you do. Gautam, maybe you could tell us, or, or Donna, either one, uh, what you do, what your ministry looks like. I, I can say this, I love your approach. When I was there a few years ago, and, and every time we talk, I just feel, and it, it seems very Acts-ish. That's a new term. But it feels like what you see and read in the book of Acts. That you're carving out an area where you're planting the gospel, you're training up disciples, you're planting a home church in, in some instances, and then you're, you're expanding out from there. Maybe I'm telling the story, but I want you to tell the story. Um, so the place where uh, we focus, this is the place where we live, and the place where we focus is seven, uh, 65% uh, Hindu population, uh, uh, close to 30% Muslim population, and 0.5% uh, uh, Christian, including Catholic. So it, it was like very unreached and we as a, we wanted to see a moment, I would say like a moment and we, uh, we really want that place to hear the gospel. Every, we want everyone to hear the gospel in that area, surrounding area and get a, um, give them opportunity to be a part of a healthy house church uh, through all the things that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about uh, sharing the gospel with the people in your area? So, you know, you, you're living in a city, and, but when we were there, we did work in that major urban area, but we also went out, like the video showed, in a lot more rural settings. So what does that ministry look like? What, what are you doing? Are you crusades? Are you house to house? How do you share the gospel and make disciples? Um, we use different strategies to reach out the village. Uh, we call it Luke 10. Uh, Luke 10 is something like in Bible we see Jesus telling his disciples and going two by two looking for personal peace praying for the sick and uh, staying in their uh, houses and so we, we use different strategies and one of them is Luke 10 we call it Luke 10 our um, local believers who believes we um, uh, train them we equip them so that they can go and share the gospel with uh, others and they go two by two, they do the same thing that we read in the Bible, and we use different strategies, like one of the, our strategies, like kids program, we do different kids program. Last time I was here and I was sharing about it, it was, it's more like uh, we organize, we call it a Bible story competition, where we tell a story, and we, uh, after that, we ask them to repeat the story, and so in the end of the day, we see like, they hear the same Bible story or the gospel almost more than 50, 60 times. And then we give them the same uh, story sheet, like a coloring sheet to the kids so that they can color it. And we ask them to share those story, what kids learn to their parents. And in the meantime, whenever in India, if you're doing something, uh, if, I, uh, it's, if something is happening, there will always be people surrounding you and they will be coming and seeing what's happening. So uh, that is like 25% of the stuff that we do and our team who comes, or our local believers who are there, they go and reach out to the people who are standing and watching us. So yeah, that is something that we do from the Luke 10 kids program. And we also have a women's ministry, which I think you can tell. Yeah, I won't dive deep in the Asha project, but um, early on we had women who were uh, be, being faithful to go out and share the gospel and they were coming back and saying these communities or the women's husbands are not allowing the women in this community to spend time with us because they know we're believers mm -hmm. so they think we're going to uh, try to make them Christians I said well they're very smart 
that is what we're doing. Uh, <clears throat> but until you know about Jesus, it's hard to understand why we want you to know about Jesus. And so um, they were tailors by trade. We thought, they said, you know, let's teach them to make a few things. The area we work is extremely poor. Um, even middle and upper level class people are extremely poor because of how economics has been in that area. Um, and so we thought we'll start this first group, three believers, four of their friends who they've been sharing with, bring them together, disciple them for an hour, teach them handicrafts. Um, and within six months, those other four women believed and were baptized. And so what we thought was gonna be a one-off, sell their products back home because people love us and so they'll be willing to pay for whatever it is they make. Uh, you know, just pack our suitcase one time, sell the stuff, come back, support them, and move on with our lives. Um, those four women believed very quickly and were baptized. Mm -hmm. And so they said, hey, we have a group over here. Uh, can we try it there? It was started it there and it worked. And so um, now we have eight groups, 147 women, um, multiple people from Parkway, or from Red Lane, who uh, volunteer and help get those products out to where they need to go so that we can sell them. Um, and yeah, so that's a big part of our women's ministry. So our women every week are going out and discipling these groups um, and houses. Uh, and the goal has always been that it would evangelize them, disciple them, and ultimately lead to house churches. And then this, this last season, this last uh, year, we have seen multiple house churches start in yeah. those areas. And also one thing that we do is we show Jesus movies, Jesus films, we call it, in a regional language. And we show the movie, and in the end we ask them, if they have any questions, they understood the movie or no, and we share the gospel again with them. And yeah, that, that is like, these are like the things that we use to uh, reach yeah. out and share the gospel. Entry strategies Entry strategy. in villages so that we can find people interested. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, and I mentioned earlier how I love their strategy, how I, f I really sense that it's truer to the book of Acts is because the end goal, you, you just heard Donna say, we, we're, we're moving them toward discipleship. We're moving them toward following Jesus Christ, that there is a dramatic change in the way they live. They've left their Hindu life, or they've left their Muslim life, and, and now they're walking with Jesus. And uh, for me, I, you know, I've been on the continent of Africa a number of times, and I've been in other places where the strategy was crusades, and there's nothing wrong with a crusade. It, you, you know, you're doing something to get a crowd, you're preaching the gospel, and hopefully people are responding, and typically lots do. But what I always struggled with when I was a part of things like that was what happens after this. It was more like we want them to pray a prayer, and, and then we would, you know, basically we're slapping each other on the back. Wow, we had 3,450 people pray to receive Christ. But I was always wondering, like, what now? Like, like, are they truly followers of Jesus? Or were they saying, I want to pray this prayer so that I get the thing that you're dangling in front of them? And I just felt like it was a little bait and switch type thing. And so when I saw what you guys were doing, I'm like, this is how missions really ought to be done. This is how Paul did it. This is how the, the apostles did it, because you're, you're sending out, you're taking the gospel. Yeah, you may meet a felt need here and there, but by and large, the goal is discipleship. It's not praying a prayer. Am I, am I on the right track in understanding your approach? Yeah, I would um, even... Cautiously say in a Southern Baptist church that uh, most of our people never sit down and say a prayer to receive Jesus. Yeah. Ooh. Serious. <laughs> uh, uh, we have seen um, if you if you just go into a room of Hindus and preach the gospel and say raise your hand if you believe this, 
amazing thing happens in EMEA where every person in the room will raise their hand. Sure. Uh, and as the team that's getting ready to go is about start to start training, they're going to start training through this. Um, but India is an honor shame culture, and so. Um, if you were to translate that and what we're saying, do you believe this? Do you want to follow Jesus? If you translate that language into an honor-shame culture, they're hearing, do you believe what I as a foreigner am telling you is true? And do you want to be like me? In an honor-shame culture, for them to say, no, I don't believe what you're saying is true, and no, I don't want to be like you, they're calling you a liar, which is shameful, and they're saying, I don't want to be like you, which is also shameful. Uh, and so for them, well, the option is to keep my hand down and shame you and shame me, which is uh, what we would consider sin or wrongdoing in our country, uh, or put my hand up and honor them to say, yes, I believe that you would not lie to me. Um, and so when you look at it in that aspect, ministry has to look different. Mm -hmm. And so where we are, what we see is it's very uh, personal. It really needs to be personal. Um, people are lacking hope and or, uh, peace. And so when we go in and say, do you have peace in your life? How do you find peace in your life? Whatever way you're trying to find peace, which is through their Hindu rituals, um, is it working? Do you find peace in those things? Mm -hmm. uh, and they will say no. And if they say yes, you probe deeper and they get down to, hmm, no, I really don't. Yeah. Um, and so it has to be much more personal is what we've seen. Um, help them realize in their own life, what are they really searching for? And if they're running down this road and they're not finding it, how long can they run down this road? How long are they willing to run down this road and still not have it? Um, and then I think the biggest thing is what you're saying about discipleship and community afterwards. Um, early on before we were there, there was some ministry going on. There was one family that was believing and they would report a hundred people believed. Uh, and we believe those people probably really did believe but they didn't have the ability to come around them and build new community around them. And so when you're asking somebody to leave um, the belief of their family and the way that they have just done everything in Hindu culture, I mean, there's very few things in Hindu culture that translate easily over into the same thing when you're walking with Christ. So you're asking them to leave everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you, when you don't provide a new community for them, and then ultimately they're gonna go back to the community yeah. that they do know and they, they are a part of. And so that's a big focus we've put. Um, and like you said, I mean, in Acts and uh, different parts of the New Testament, we see that the early church came together, they ate together, they stayed together, they met needs within their own community. Um, and so that's what we're trying to build. Uh, we, it's a balancing act. We wanna go and share the gospel, but we can't go and share and have people believe faster than we can effectively raise them up and disciple them well because we as missionaries and believers are then doing them a disservice and yeah. doing the gospel a disservice. Yeah. I love that so much. And so when you say that they don't pray a prayer like maybe we would here in our Southern Baptist American culture, they're obviously still coming to a point where they're wrestling with the gospel as you've talked and prayed with them and shared with them. But So they're wrestling with that to a point where they realize their religious background, whatever Hindu God they follow or whatever is inadequate, Jesus now is supreme, they understand their sinfulness, and they're turning from that to him. There is that full understanding of the gospel, correct? And then, because they are walking out of a culture, they're, they're turning their back on community, family, religion, and so it's a process to get them to take baptism, as you guys say, right? It's not like, hey, I just wanna be baptized. It is a big deal because you're stepping out of one culture into a new culture. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> I'm not used to the mic, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
we, when I, we were there a couple years ago, we got to witness baptism and just seeing and understanding the significance of that really, again, takes me back to the book of Acts where it was not an easy thing for people walking out of Judaism or walking from some other pagan religion to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus and I'm going to be baptized. And that was a big step for them because you're literally turning your back on your old way of life and following in a new way of life, which is the gospel. So that's awesome. Tell us something maybe that's um, just really special that's happened maybe in, recently in, in your ministry. Some stories or uh, wh- whatever would be on your, your mind this morning. Um, I would share a story, which I would like to extend the story that I was doing last time when I was here. When, in 2019, when Parkway came, I mean, Berlin came and Pastor James. Um, Sorry, they're a sister church. We're okay. <laughs> Pastor, um, we were in a village and... Uh, we were sharing, I was translating Pastor James and I, I saw a guy riding a bicycle and crossing. He looked drunk, so I just like ignored him and we moved forward and we went to um, close to a pond and there was like a few guys just standing, so we started having gospel conversation with them. And that guy came and stood and he just like heard us and in the end he said like, oh, I want to know, I want to believe this thing. So we prayed with that guy, and that guy, um, and he said he's open, he wants to believe, he wants to know more. He uh, works in a farming land, so um, we said we will follow up with him, and after that, when team left, we weekly went and visited him, and we figured out he works in people's farm, and when, and after that, COVID hit, and the country went to lockdown, uh, we uh, tried to help him with his household needs and stuff. And uh, that guy actually uh, is uh, with us and he's also serving and he's all, he took baptism in 2021 because of the lockdown things were like went slow. And he was uh, telling me to go to his in-laws village from like three, four months and I was trying to ignore him. I was like, it's very far. And we move uh, as per our strategy, we have like we mapped out our district and we have blocks and villages that we think will go this way, this way, this way. That was my plan, but that was not God's plan. So <laughs> uh, uh, he was uh, like all the time, he was like, let's go there. I want to go to that village. I want, to, I want them to know about God. So I said like, okay, let's do it. And we went to that village with him, his in-laws village. First day we were there and we were like talking to people and one guy heard the gospel and he said like no one came to this village ever and we never heard about Jesus before. And he said, I believe this, what you are saying and I want to accept Christ. I said like, you're sure you're ready? He's like, yes, I'm ready. And he took baptism the same day. And next week we went again and five more people came, showed up and they said, we believe and they took baptism. And Again, next week we went and 15 people came forward and they said we believe and they took baptism. So now we have 35 people in that village who believes and two different house house churches, which meets in a weekly basis in that place, which is, we we didn't knew how it's going to, I mean like, but yeah, it was totally like God thing and God like made his way uh, through Red Lane, through Pastor James, but it somehow like went to where we are now. There are like three house churches uh, because of that person, one in his village, and two are uh, the house churches in his in-laws place. 
That's an awesome story. Uh, I remember that day. I remember that village. I remember sharing with those four or five guys, uh, young guys, and yeah, walking away thinking, I don't know if they really meant that. Um, uh, but it's this awesome story. So that raises a, a question. A church like us who partnered with you, uh, we want to be mission-minded. We want to be involved in the gospel. We want to give to it, but we would prefer not just to give. We want to pray. We want to go. But does it really help for us to send short-term ministry teams? I mean, it sounds like it does, but does it really help? I know it's a stretch on y'all's schedule, what's usually routine for you, uh, all the logistics of making it happen, but how does it help you when we send teams over like that? Yeah, so as Gotham shared, our vision is that this district we focus on, which is huge, it's the size and population of Colorado, and it's just a small district in the area that we live. Um, our vision is that every person in that district would have the opportunity to hear the gospel, be discipled, and be part of a healthy house church. And so on the ground, that looks like going and doing evangelism. Uh, if we're not able to gain access in areas, then doing those entry strategies we talked about, kids programs, Jesus films, um, starting an Osher project group there, um, and then once people believe, discipling them and then moving them towards house church and then teaching them what does a healthy house church look like and then raising up leaders. So that's kind of the process of what it looks like to get to that vision realized. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we are two people. We have a local team, um, but when churches decide to send team members in, um, for example, our we just went through our new six-month strategy of what is our actual look on our what is our actual work on the ground going to look like for the next six months? What are our goals? How are we going to you know figure out if we've met those goals? And for the next four months, our goal is to press forward and saturate this new area with the gospel. Uh, and so, in that four months, your team is coming. And so, for us, that's four more people plus a ton of encouragement for us, plus a ton of excitement and encouragement for our local team on the ground having. Uh, you know, they, they know that we're telling them they should be doing this and they're committed to doing this, but then having people from the other side of the world who are coming and also excited to reach these same people that they've been trying to reach all come together and do it for a week. Uh, there's tons of excitement and momentum that happens there, but it's also a ton of gospel shares that happens that week yeah. uh, that then gives our team months of follow-up. Um, so there's a ton, of, a ton of actual work on the ground that happens. Um, but the encouragement that teams provide for us there, um, I only worship in English when we come to the U.S. Uh, and come to Red Lane and go to other churches that have supported us. Um, and so when you come there, it's that community for Gotham and I. Um, just being together uplifts us. It encourages our local team so much to know that uh, the gospel is spreading in other places in the world and there are people on the other side of the world that yeah. God is calling, just like they believe God has called them to go and reach these people. Um, and so on the ground, that's there. Of course, prayer is always a huge thing, um, praying for our team and all of that kind of stuff. But really, it is hugely beneficial on the ground. Yeah. You raised an inter interesting point that uh, peaks to my, um, uh, triggers a thought. You know, we as church, as churches, we typically look at missionaries like you're the super, super believers. You're the best of the best. We send our best. And, and so sometimes we may have a tendency to think that nothing ever happens to missionaries. They never get discouraged. They're excited all the time. And, and I, I'm sure because of what you just heard, there's moments where you feel lonely. You miss home. You miss things that you're not getting to be a part of with your family and, and things like that. I know uh, a few years ago you had some health things going on. And um, 
So, how much of an encouragement is from that standpoint when we come over yeah. and just I mean, that's worship in real. English? Just like honesty, we are humans and we struggle with the same things. They may look different or it may be more on top of the same, I don't know, but we struggle with things. We struggle, I mean, you can struggle with loneliness sitting in the pews on a Sunday morning sure. uh, the same way that we do. And so it's not necessarily that we're dealing with anything different, but we're dealing with a lot of the same stuff. Um, having a baby and learning how to be parents and learning how to be married and have a baby and learning how to live in the heat with a baby <laughs> who's crying and doesn't sleep at night it's hot. Uh, and learning you know we don't have the access to stuff that I grew up thinking oh when you have a baby this is what you feed them and this is what you do with them and this is what you buy them and this is how you manage them uh, and then figuring that out in a culture where a lot of things are available but you have to just figure out what the best options are and then when baby gets sick, oh, there's not great medical care. You know, yeah. what do you, so there's just a lot of those things that here we would probably have people walking alongside of us and we would uh, have that natural avenue for conversation and encouragement and stuff uh, that we just don't have there. And that's okay, that's the decision that we've made. I mean, that's not just me, Gotham has also left his family and his community to be yeah. where we are. And so he experiences that same thing. Um, but then teams coming, allowing us to host you, uh, that's something that I love to do, that we love to do, and then just being with you for the week um, fills us up to keep going. So it really is a big thing. Well, we're excited to come back. Uh, what are some things that our short-term will, team will be a part of in October? Maybe I'm jumping the gun there a little bit, uh, but you know, just, just generally, what, well, what do you we think? Got lots of work for you. What do you anticipate <laughs> us doing? I mean. Um, Everyone is, every person is gifted in its own ways and they can contribute in the kingdom work um, by their own uh, potential or, or what God is like telling them to do. Uh, we have needs in uh, sharing, we need help in discipling, we need help with uh, counseling, that, uh, and we need help with the church planting, like uh, process that we need, like there are needs in all different aspects as per what God gifted you with. <coughs> and we need them. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be doing lots of stuff then, <laughs> which is typically uh, true of, of a short-term trip. We usually try to hit a lot of different avenues. It's almost like you're, you're, um, you're, you're using lots of am different kinds of ammo to hit a different targets, right. and not everything is, is usable in, in every situation. So we'll do some children's stuff. We'll do some door-to-door. -door. We'll, We'll, we'll minister and, and uh, hopefully equip your team. When we say team, that's people they've reached with the gospel, they've discipled, they, they're a part of their house church, they're serving in their OSHA project. And, uh, and so we'll come in and we'll spend hours each day or, or a couple days during that time just edifying them, speaking into their lives, teaching, different things like that. One of the things y'all really blessed us and our team with last time when you were there, which um, I've only ever baptized one person. Our strategy is not that foreigners come in and baptize. Our strategy is that the person who shared with them baptizes them and is then their mentor. Um, but that one person in that video who I baptized, it was because I had asked you, hey, this woman was baptized when she was forced to um, by a family member. She didn't believe and she has since believed um, but is not sure that she should take baptism again. Could you just sit down with her and just have a little theological conversation? And you did, and she said, well, then why haven't you baptized me? She looked at me and said, well, then why haven't you baptized me? And I was like, well, because we've been waiting for Pastor James. <laughs> and so uh, we went right then to the river and baptized her. But those kind of things, we have this big team now of believers, and they're raising up, and they each have their own family issues and marriage, just like all of us do. Uh, but we don't have a, a team of 
elder experienced pastors and mentors to pour mm -hmm. into them. We have us, and uh, by God's grace, we have learned things, and we have, you know, people have poured into us, but we're relatively young. We've only been married a few years. We just had our first baby, and so uh, there's a lot, especially in that culture, where people with that experience who are looked up to and respected are the ones who can really speak in. And so when pastors join teams, it's always great because you naturally have that uh, respect when you come in. Um, and there's just, like Gotham said, there's so many experiences that you can pour into our team and help counsel them and love on them and help them work through things that even if we're saying the same thing to them, it's coming across differently when it's coming from people who they see as, yeah. oh, well, they're straight out of America and so they know what they're talking about. <laughs> And culturally, correct me if I'm wrong, um, men do stuff with men, women do stuff with women. That's why you baptized her. I prayed over her. Yes. So I stood in the water for a few minutes yep. and then quickly exited. Um, because you saw a snake and didn't. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a snake that was swimming across to us from the other side. And I saw it. And some of the ladies on our team, Glory remembers, she saw it. And, you know, I'm not used to snakes in the baptistry, but um, <laughs> I jumped on land as soon as possible before I had to wrestle a five or six foot Asian python or something. I don't know what but it was. But very graciously allowed us to go through with the baptism. Yeah, I figured you're used to it, you know. <laughs> it's culture for you, right? <laughs> All right, we got just a couple more minutes. Um, what are some of your needs? How can we pray for you? How can we continue to support you? Yeah, I'm going to share a few current needs we have, and Gotham's going to share some ways to pray for us. Um, so the end of this video, there was a field. You probably thought, why are they just showing us this video of this random field? Um, but this video we actually made before COVID, and we were had just purchased this land with the vision of we're going to move to the village where our believers live that's much closer to our focus district. Um, and so through COVID, actually, God provided um, most of the funds to build this building. We are now living in this building. Um, and the top level of that is a guest house where your team is going to be staying um, that's getting finished right now. Um, and so a financial need that we have is there are about $35,000 left in cost of just constructing that building. Um, and so it's really almost finished. We just sent them paint colors this morning. And so like it's right at the end. Um, and then we have about $6,000 in furnishing needs to buy beds and trundle beds and comfortable mattresses um, because this, this guest house will be able to sleep. Um, it has five bedrooms, so it will be able to sleep 10 to 16 or so people. Uh, if they're South Asian, probably some more. But there will be enough beds to yeah. sleep up to 16 people. Um, and so that's a lot of beds and mattresses. Um, so those are two financial needs that we have right now. On the ministry side, um, we are looking for new monthly supporters. And right now, our biggest need, um, our ministry is growing so fast. The farther up, our district is long and skinny. And so the more we go up in our strategy of this, what we've mapped out, just the more expensive it is. And the bigger our team grows, we cover their cost of travel and food while they're going and doing ministry. Um, and so just naturally, that budget just goes up and up as we move up our district. Um, so we have a need for new monthly financial partners, and those funds are going to directly be going into ministry. Yeah. Um, Gotham is also looking at and praying about hiring a new full-time ministry partner um, by the end of this year. And so those funds would be part of yeah. that as well. Before you share prayer needs, let me just explain that. So as a Southern Baptist Church, our gifts that you give, uh, we give to what's called the cooperative program that goes to fund our Southern Baptist international missions through the IMB. Gotham and Dawn are not through the IMB. They're through uh, Global, Gates. Global Gates. I always want to say Gateway. I get yeah, them all mixed up. That's our training program in Global Gates. Um, and Gate. 
Global Gates is y'all, and Gateway is a seminary in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. I always get them confused. But Global Gates, uh, led, started by former IMB missionaries. It's a fabulous ministry. Uh, but they have decided to go through them. That's their sending agency. So they raised their own support. So that's what's different from the Haney's. When the Haney's were here a few weeks ago, they're IMB missionaries. Uh, they don't come back to, re- uh, to uh, recruit financial support because of the IMB system. Global Gates is not uh, set up that way, and so when you say you need more monthly partners, that's because that provides the resources needed to do the ministry over there. Right, and so we have individuals and churches who support us. As a church, you do support us, um, but then there are many of you also as individuals who um, have committed monthly, have set up recurring donations that go directly to our account, and then we receive a salary and ministry funds directly from that. Yeah, so if you want to know more about that, we can get you connected with them, and as, as well as the you wanted to help with the uh, finishing of the construction of that h- house, uh, Lord of Living, we'll, our team will be staying in that house in a few yeah. months. Uh, or if you want to help with the furnishings, we can get that information to you. I don't think we do. Okay, that's fine. That was an oversight on okay. me. But we will. Absolutely. We will have those available uh, tomorrow. So maybe next week, there are printouts that talk about, <laughs> like, a bed costs $250 and a mattress costs $100. So if you wanted to know, actually, what it looks like to support some specific furniture for the guest yeah. house. Prayer needs? Um, um, pray for, uh, we live in West Bengal and they use Bengali Bible there. And we have Bible societies which prints the Bible, but they are not printing now. So we are running out of Bible and we are uh, figuring out the sources, if we can uh, import from Bangladesh or how it's gonna happen. And we also like, wrote 25 emails to the society if they can like print it or they can give us a we can buy the soft copy from them and we can print it by ourselves but yeah we need bible and so pray so that god may um, provide that and uh, we have a bible bengali bible but it's not like it's more like a kjv version and so people who are who live in villages they cannot read that they need in a, their common language yeah. so one of the main need is like pray so that we may have our bible and second is pray for our team pray for us as uh, team is going every day and as how we will be traveling back and uh, for our work there and i mean like i was super encouraged when i uh, i get messages from red lane and they say like they are praying for us and uh, I saw uh, like our names and our team members' name written in the Bible, and that was like very encouraging for me. So yes, keep on praying for us and our team. Awesome. Well, why don't we do this? Let's pray for you guys, and then um, we're going to wrap up our service with just a song. And uh, here's what I'd like for you to do during the song. Obviously, this is a different kind of service, uh, but we've been talking about missions, which if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, that ought to be part of your life. Uh, on mission with the gospel, where you live, reaching your neighbors uh, with, with the gospel, uh, going throughout our state, throughout our nation, planting churches. That's, that, that ought to be a focus, and it is a focus of us here at Red Lane. Also going across the oceans to people who uh, need to hear the gospel, different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds. And so here's what I would like for you to just, you know, in the quietness of your seat as we sing to the Lord, just ask him, how would you like me to participate in this? What else can I do? Or what do I need to start doing? Maybe you're not doing anything when it comes to the gospel. And God needs to put on your mind or remind you of a certain person that's in your circle of influence uh, right where you live or you work or you play. And then maybe 
for some of you, it's, Lord, what else should I need to do? Do I need to financially help uh, this family and their mission work? Do I need to get on a plane and go? We actually have uh, a spot that needs to be filled on this team. And so if you're able to go at the end of October with us for a 10-day trip, um, let me know, and uh, we can get that set up, and, and so we can begin that conversation. But what would the Lord have you to do? But let's join together in prayer. prayer. We're going to pray for them, and uh, I'm going to pray for you as well, that God would just birth in our hearts a renewed passion uh, for the gospel work here and there. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Paul says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Lord, it reaches down to the Jewish person, person, it reaches down to the Gentile. It doesn't matter what gender we are, it doesn't matter what level of education we have, it doesn't matter how much money we have or don't have in the bank, it doesn't matter what continent we're from, what flag we carry. The gospel is no respecter of persons, it comes to those who are broken in sin. Lord, many in this room can testify to its life-changing power. We thank you for Gotham and Donna. We thank you for them sharing with us today and the testimony they have brought to us that the power of the gospel does change lives. God, I'm grateful for this man who we had the opportunity to share with back in 2019. To be honest, Lord, walking away, I didn't know if he was serious. He said all the right things, but Lord, I'm so grateful that my lack of faith was proven wrong by your ability to create faith in his heart. And Lord, to hear the testimony of him walking with Jesus and being a catalyst for his village to come to faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that it would just continue to spread. Lord, we'd hear more stories of things like that happening in villages all throughout that district. Father, bless Gotham and Donna. Continue to use them. I pray that you would fan the flame in their life. Fan the flame for their love for you and their passion for the people there. Lord, I pray you'd bind them together in their home, that their marriage would be strong, that their family would be secure. God, I, I can only imagine what the devil wants to do to them and what he wants to create between them that would bring division. I pray against that. I pray that you would rule supreme in their lives. Lord, I pray for their young son that you would watch over him and protect him and draw his young heart to faith in Jesus, that he would be a great preacher of the gospel as well in his own right, whatever that may look like, but he would be used for kingdom purposes. Lord, help us as a church to continue to rally around this couple and their work and help us to be more involved, to give more to the work there, to support it in more ways, to send more people on short-term trips. We're grateful for what you're doing, and we want to be a greater part of it. Lord, as we talk about this, we know that we can't live over there. You've not called all of us to go. But Lord, we can live out the gospel right here, and so I pray that you'd help us to think locally as well. How can we better reach lost people? How better can we make disciples right here where we live, the places where we work, where we play and do recreation, the schools that we go to? How can we be more gospel-focused right here at home while at the same time being more gospel-focused there? 
Father, as we sing a song, as we celebrate Jesus and what he does in our hearts, help us to think through that and be open to whatever you impress upon our hearts. And God, may our answer be yes, whatever that is, for your glory and for the good of others. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you want to know more about our church, please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.